Lisa. Do you trust me? Of course, my lord. With all my heart. Then close your eyes. <laughs> I kind of like the last one. I kind of like thinking that maybe my just inherent chaos is uh is influencing the world in just a small way. <laughs> <laughs> It's the contrast. It's the contrast, yeah. I mean, I tried an unboxing video. What can I say? I tried it. There, I did it. My favorite comment of my own. That's from the, the video. first step to getting better at unboxing videos. Yeah. My my oh my favorite comment on the video of that I made on the video was uh I could have watched unboxing videos and figured out how to do this and do it like they do it, but that's not how I've ever lived my life from this from in the past ever so why would i do that from this point moving forward 100 percent. i just feel like how can i find new paths if i'm always looking at my feet so hi i'm rachel maybe that is how you find new paths (laughs) shut up hi i'm rachel you're not looking at the the trail that other people (laughs) that's what i mean if i'm always looking for a path how can i find new paths Sometimes you trip more, obviously, because you're not yeah. looking at your feet. But ultimately, you find a new way. So, hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. And this is Come In. Oh, God damn it. It says it on the display there. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Oh, it does. Okay. Hi, I'm <laughs> Stop. Stop. You're Stop. welcome. <laughs> written on the fucking button. <laughs> you, you can also tap the touch screen. <laughs> it to have never said that so i have plausible <laughs> deniability forever <laughs> okay mm. hi i'm rachel and i'm matt and this is come in 81 kilo a forever night podcast Today we're talking about Forever Night Season 3, Episode 14, Dead of Night. A.K.A. The Ghost Episode. The fucking Ghost Episode! I've heard the phrase, oh, the Ghost Episode, so many times. Yeah. I told her there'd be ghosts. But everybody's done a really good job of not revealing any details about the Ghost Episode. Is it because we haven't revealed any details or because there are no details? To reveal. I don't know. Inquiring minds want to know. You're about to find out. I guess. Stay tuned. (laughs) For this week's exciting (laughs) episode of Come In 81 Kilo. Um, We just got back. I just got back from two back-to-back vacations. I had a whirlwind tour of uh, Megacon in Orlando where I met Catherine Disher, who is fabulous and wonderful. And please, if you see her anywhere within driving distance of you, go. Don't think about it. Just go. Um, and tell her Rachel sent you. And I, yeah, 
tell her I sent you. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel like now that the the more I talk to Catherine, I keep wanting to call her Kathy because we jokingly, she, I got a cameo. Canva cameo cameo from her where she introduces hi I'm Kathy Disher so we've been jokingly calling her Kathy but like I don't think we're on a Kathy basis so Catherine forced um, familiarity the more I uh interact with Catherine Disher and fight find out how sassy she actually is in real life the more I love Natalie so it's a feedback loop of like the more you know one the more you love the other so if you already love Natalie bonus points go meet her you'll love natalie even more so we also went on a cruise which is why i sound like this because people are dirty and that's why i generally try not to be associated with them humanity uh, as a whole but here we are we went on a cruise and the kids really had a good time but cruise crud yeah and con crud and I don't know. Maybe my body was so overjoyed from when I walked up to the table and Kathy knew who I was and was like, can I have a hug? And I like, I don't know the the favorite part. Okay. So Meg and I are going to do a recap. We're going to do a recap and we'll probably post it on Gary can get it and cross post it here. But I just want to share that when she came around the corner, I I went, (laughs) yips out. And then when she was like, you're Rachel. And I was like, yeah. She's like, can I, can we hug him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can. So I just want to know I, I hugged Catherine Disher and I feel like, I don't know, life, where, where do I go from here? The highest of highs has already happened. <laughs> All right. So yes, as Matt not- noted, this is the ghost episode. It's like stealth ridiculous. Like on the, on the surface, this is a super ridiculous episode. But if you think about it a little bit, it gets less ridiculous, so just kind of why I like this episode. Also, fun fact, this was the last new episode I ever saw. Like the last episode that you yeah. had never seen before. Correct. I think I mentioned I watched them. I had to watch them out of order because for some reason sci-fi was like, do these do these go in order? And they were like, no, they don't have an order. Just throw them up there. Nobody gives a shit. They're what they're they're sitting down at noon to watch Dark Shadows and Forever Night. They don't care what order it's coming in. So I watched these in the order that they were aired, which was out of order. And for some reason, I missed this one. I ended up having to find it on the internet and download it. Like back when it took you like days to download a single episode and it was still itty pity when you got it. And I actually think I burned like a VCD of this. Because mm-hmm. everything else I had recorded on videotapes, but this I had a VCD of, but, um, it's, I hesitate to say it's one of my favorite episodes, but there's definitely, uh, it's one of those episodes that can be as deep as you want it to be. It can be the, Ooh, it's the ghost episode, or it can be like, Oh, we are all haunted by past mistakes. And maybe there are places in the world that are thin enough that literally the, the guilt and doubt we feel inside can manifest into something physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we open on our haunted house, which is a really, this cold opening is like. This cold open feels unusual. Yeah. Um, it has a different vibe than most of the, like, here's the crime before yeah. the intro. You know what this feels like? It feels like the Halloween episode. Yeah. Do you remember it get into October and all of your favorite shows would suddenly be like, okay, upcoming is the Halloween special. And the Halloween special was always just a little bit spooky 
Or the Simpsons used to have their Halloween special every year that was always over the top and crazy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this feels like the Halloween episode. Like, stay tuned forever night will air its special Halloween episode. And so we start with this haunted house. Probably feels weird because this is not an exterior we've seen before. <laughs> It's not the house. It's not the house. It's a new house. And they're walking inside and the little caretaker guy is like, oh, there's no power. Uh, we had some contractors come in to turn it on, but they, they got run off on account of the ghost. <laughs> the guy who's touring it is like, you're a moron and I'm not keeping you. And he's like, um, I come with the property. In fact, the realtor is like, um, part of the contract that you're preparing to sign stipulates you have to keep him on. And he's like, no, I don't. <laughs> No, I don't. But the property owner, whose name is Ogden, uh, he's not there because it's in the middle of the night for some reason. They're touring this house at like 10 o'clock at night, which it's not occupied. You could tour it at any time. So I don't know why they're there so late, but it doesn't matter. So uh, Weintroff, who is this guy, the asshole guy who's planning to buy it. We don't find his name out for a while, but it's um, Weintroff, like a trough full of wine. Sure. And I'm like, you know what? These people had to come up with a lot of names because we we have to come up with names for every single episode. I'm sure after a while they were like, I don't know. I'm drunk. Maybe wine, wine trough, wine trough, wine trough. That's his name. He turns to the realtor and he's like, "Um, why isn't he here? She's like, because it's the fucking middle of the night. And he's like, well, then go wake him up. And she says, I guess I'll go try him on my car phone. (laughs) <laughs> and he goes, you do that then. And then so she walks off. So the caretaker's gone off to go to try to turn the electricity on. Turn on the juice, as he says later. And the realtor goes out to talk on her car phone. So our asshole is left all alone. And decides to explore the house. Well, he hears a voice. He hears a disembodied voice upstairs. Calling him. And so he beyond. Goes, explore, uh, goes upstairs exploring with his flashlight. And he's up in this attic room. And the double window doors fly open. And he's like, oh, what's happening over there? So he walks over to look through the doors. And while he's staring at the doors, there's actually a shadow. It's a trap. There's a shadow in the doorway behind him. Like It's pretty cool looking. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a spooky episode. Yeah. He's sufficiently spooky. And he turns and he's like, oh, no. And then he gets pushed out the window and impaled on this fence. And Matt was like, that's a. An unrealistic, unrealistic. amount of gore. I, was like, I mean, there's gore on it. He was like, no, like there's not enough. There should be. If he was impaled through the belly yeah. with all that ornamentation, like basically yeah. barbs, it would grab a bunch of stuff on the way through. It would nearly cut him in half. Yeah. yeah. And you're all squishy bits in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> you're all squishy stringy bits. Yeah. That's all just muscle holding that in. Or, you know, just flesh, depending on where you are in life. So we pan up and we see a person in the <laughs> Where window. you are on your journey. <laughs> exactly. We're all in different places and that's fine. I respect that. So- we pan up and we see this person in the window. And then, bottom, bottom, go to the intro. That's it. That's our opening. Spooky. And, ooh, ooh, it's the ghost episode. So we come back and Natalie is at the crime scene alone. We see Natalie alone. We get a lot of scenes where the scene at least starts with each main character. Alone. I mean, like, where's Nick? Isn't he supposed to be chaperoning her? I'm pretty sure she's not allowed out of the morgue. If Nick's not with her. Or as she said at the con, if they weren't dead, I probably didn't interact with them. (laughs) 
because she was sitting right next to George Busa, I think is his name. And he's the one who, he was the voice of the beast, but he was also Dr. Dave and he was the religious brother in the Sons of Belial episode. Mm -hmm. And Meg was like, oh yeah, he was in Forever Night too. I'm going to go over and get his... I'm going to go ahead and get his signature. And Natalie was like, what? I didn't know he was in it. <laughs> she doesn't have any scenes. Not Natalie. Right. Her name is Catherine. Catherine Disher was like, I, I didn't know that. And I'm like, well, you didn't have any scenes together. She's like, yeah, if he didn't die, I probably didn't talk to him. <laughs> she was so sassy. And I loved it. So anyway, Natalie alone. And we come in. And we get this interesting little line where the caretaker is talking to Tracy and he says, the house isn't haunted, just the people who come in it. It's not the house that's supposed to be haunted, it's the people that go in it. Uh, that's the legend anyway. That's the legend anyways. Which is an interesting premise. Yeah. To distinguish this from, oh, it's just another haunted house. Yeah. There is not a specific haunting in this house. There is not the ghost of the past owner who died falling down the stairs or whatever. It is whatever ghost you bring to the house that haunts you while you're there. It's like Luke in the cave on Dagobah. That is exactly what it is like. Thank you so much. The you're only welcome. evil in there is what you take with you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I did really good keeping it straight, and then I just could I lost it. So Nick is like Nick walks up because he's off camera and he like walks up to the group and he's like, Oh yeah, I've I've heard about this place. It's like a doorway or something. And that uh Tracy says, Oh, a portal. And the guy goes, It's a porthole to somewhere. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then the caretaker's like, I mean, personally, I've never had any experiences here, but I have no skeletons in my closet. I don't have anything I feel guilty about. Even those people that I killed, nothing. I got nothing. I don't feel like <laughs> I don't have any any don't strong have any emotions yeah, about which means this is like a, a sociopath or a psychopath would not be Lacroix, Lacroix would not be haunted if you walked in this house. Mm. Maybe Fleur. Maybe. Maybe Fleur. Yeah, maybe Fleur. Oh, you could have seen Fleur again. Aw. Alas. Uh, either a, like, sociopath or the most mentally healthy person that anyone has ever met. Yeah, so this caretaker. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly. He's one or the other. Like, he's healed, okay? He's He's either healed or he's never... Or he's immune to damage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's immune to psychic damage. Yeah, could be. Uh, so Tracy's like, okay, so there was only three of them in this house. You know, there was the realtor, there was you, and there was asshole, Weintroff. And the guy's like, yeah, that was it. You know, I left to go turn the juice on. And then, I don't know, she left to go talk on her phone or whatever. But like, Which, I she says the line, oh, yeah, I was in the... Waiting in the car on my phone, yeah, which sounds like a very modern line, right? That you didn't get much in the nineties. Oh, waiting in the car. Well, she had to be in the car to be right. on her phone because that's right. where her phone lived. She couldn't take but it. But it sounds like, oh yeah, I was just scrolling, yeah, TikTok on my phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like, oh, you know, sorry, Mister Caretaker guy, but you need to go down. We're gonna get your statement at the at the precinct. And he's like, I mean, give me a lie detector if you want. I didn't do shit. Sure, whatever. His soul is clean. Yeah, he's like, I'm fine. I did I did nothing, so that's great. And and Tracy is like, just bring a lawyer with you. Yeah, she goes, well, we'll interview you. Get a lawyer. It's going to be fine. You know, I, she knows. They know. This guy didn't do anything. Right. And he walks off, 
And they're turning to go walk towards the realtor lady. And Tracy goes, I'm guessing you're not much of a believer to Nick. Like, I'm guessing the supernatural is just like not your thing. And Nick goes, I plead the fifth. So in Canada. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm guessing it's not called the Fifth Amendment in Canada. Listen, the majority of the Canadian population lives within like a certain range of the border. Mm -hmm. It's like a band of population. And I have to imagine there's some bleed through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As a as a phrase, as a one liner. Yeah. I plead the fifth. Yeah. There's enough, you know, shared cultural context. Right. I actually hear I plead the fifth more in these 90s television shows than I hear in real life. Well, yeah. I'm not certain. The only amendment I ever hear about (laughs) is the Second Amendment. And only the right to bear arms. Like half of one of the sentences. Just the right to bear arms, which there's way more to it than that. But I love the, uh, never mind. I just love the people that walk up like the videos online of people that walk up to people at gun protests and they're like, okay, can you cite the entire second amendment? And they're like, yeah, the right to bear arms. And they're like, there's way more to it. It's a paragraph. It's a paragraph. (laughs) Not half a sentence. Yeah. Oh, so the realtor is upset, obviously, because her client died while she was out on her phone in the car, not on TikTok, just making phone calls because you could have a cell phone and that was fine, but it had shit reception or you could have a car phone and that was like a satellite phone and that had better reception. So a lot of times you had a car phone cause you got, you know, it was yeah, a bigger yeah. antenna. Yeah. So, uh, the realtor tells them that she heard him fall. She looked over and she saw a figure and we get this like weird flash thing where it shows like the house and it pans up and there's a figure and it's like it's a figure with a backlight behind it and it's this weird like sound and then she's like and then i saw it and there was no figure and then we get the sound again. <laughs> I, was like, I noticed a few times in this episode the foley artist yeah like the person who adds sound effects that yeah. aren't like audible on the microphones yeah they had a job to do in this episode. <laughs> so, like, there's when Nick is first walking you mean besides in. Besides just the sound of leather on leather. Right. Yeah. Uh, Nick is walking into a room and there's a rocking chair and he, like, rocks the rocking chair. Yeah. And it has a very, like, distinct, You're like, creaky noise. Yeah. But it's not quite in sync with the rocking of the chair. I was like, oh, okay. So somebody. Look, they, they like, woke him we, up. Okay? We need we need the foley artist for this episode, uh, but it's it's going to be Jeremy, not <laughs> not not. Uh, well, no, no, know, no. They woke him up and they were like, "Okay, we need sounds." And he was like, "Okay, I'll get my high heels on hard floor." And he's like, "No, no, not hard, not high heels on hard floor. We need other sounds." What do you mean, other sounds? <laughs> there are other sounds. What other sounds could I possibly? <laughs> the whoosh? You need the whoosh? Not the whoosh. Because <laughs> I just go whoosh in the microphone and then I slow it down. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy who did the worm sound for the new worms in Dune. And he oh, like yeah. stuck the microphone in his mouth and made yeah. a gargling noise. Yeah, he stuck <laughs> it all the way down into his mouth. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun, actually. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Nick goes up because they tell the realtor they're going to go to the precinct. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to walk around 
not they, she needs to go to the precinct. Sorry. They tell the realtor that she needs to go to the precinct. And she's like, well, I didn't do anything. And they're like, okay, well, that like remains to be seen. You need to also bring your lawyer. Also bring your lawyer. So go, go, go. And she leaves. And so Nick is like, well, I'm going up. And Tracy's like, okay, well, I'm going to walk around down here. Like, let's divide and conquer. Let's check out this house. And Tracy's like, listen, Nick, if I see anything weird, I'll scream. And Nick's like, please don't. It it does a thing. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I have instincts. They can't be trusted. Please don't scream. (laughs) Uh, So he goes up to look at the window. He looks around for a while. And then he, like, breaks the police tape, steps out the window. And I mean, like what's going to happen he can't fall and die so he's like it's fine i'll go up here and he's actually hearing whispers like at for oh i missed that part sorry my gosh he's standing at the bottom of the stairs and he looks up and we start to hear whispers which i like this effect in this episode where when they're sensing something supernatural happening there's like a overlapping voices sound mm-hmm. and he's like caught up in it for a minute and then natalie won't puts her hand on his shoulder and he's like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, Gare's doing a good job of looking distracted. Yeah. And Natalie's like, well, in highly technical terms, he fell, he died. Well, it looks pretty cut and dried to me. Railing broke. In highly technical terms, he fell, he died. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and then she looks over at Nick and she's like, um, this place frightens you? Because he looks a little scared. And Nick goes, yeah, but let's keep it between us. Okay. <laughs> and so he goes upstairs. And then a lady walks over to get Natalie to sign, like, the officers on duty paper. It's like a duty roster paper thing. And she takes it to sign. And she looks over at the officer's name badge. And it says, Natasha. And Natalie's like, whoa, that takes me back. My grandmother used to call me Natasha. And the lady's like, I'm sorry, what the fuck? And so she looks back over and the name badge says Kate Nash. That was pretty cool. Yeah. It was a nice subtle, uh uh-oh, shit's gone awry. Instead of having like later when we have actual chairs floating around and blinking lights (laughs) and whatever. They they ease us into it. We do, we do. It's like steeping tea. It takes a while to get to full ghost mode. But Tracy's looking around. She walks past this doorway, and when she walks past it, there's a little girl in a snowsuit standing in the doorway. But Tracy doesn't notice. Tracy, Tracy doesn't notice because God bless Tracy. But observation, God bless Tracy. observation isn't maybe her strong suit. <laughs> like Nick. <laughs> like Nick. I mean, they're a real partnership. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Skanky covered a lot of gaps. I feel like. Nick and Tracy are just sort of simpatico, like they're just kind of the same. And then Nick is upstairs. And the electricity fizzles out, like the electricity fizzles out. And we hear this like moan scream, which now this one does not sound like it was added. This sounds like they had somebody off screen go, (laughs) (laughs) and Nick is like, oh, wow, what could that be? And this is when he goes out on the ledge and he looks down and he sees a white figure among the cars. And I've always thought this one was really funny because she's supposed to be looking ethereal and out of place because she's lit. And she's got a cloak, kind of like in last act when the lady had the cloak, because it she, and makes she looks you look really dramatic. Glowy. Yeah. But she's also just leaning on a car, staring at the flashing light. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like when she leans over, it's this really awkward looking position. Yeah, but she's staring at the flashing light in the front window of the car. And then she turns and looks up, and it's a young woman, a young blonde woman. And so we know immediately he has hit that. 
Or he tried to. Or he tried to anyway. And this is actually, I think her name is Carrie Matchett. Matchett. Uh, she plays in Cube 2 Hypercube with him. Okay. She, and, and she's been in a ton of stuff. And yeah. She plays in Code 8, which is a newer movie. And I think they're actually making a sequel to it. Code 8 something, the continuation. Part 2, the search for more money. And then um, she was in like a bunch of television shows where she was in like 75 plus episodes. She's gone on to have a very good like TV career. Mm-hmm. So you probably recognize her. But this is one of the first things she's in. So... We all come back down. We convene on the car. And Tracy looks over at the car. And in the car seat is the little girl ghost. Like in her her car seat. (laughs) In her her booster seat in the front is this little girl ghost. And she sticks her head in. And she's like, oh, my God, Nick, did you see that? And Nick's like, see what? Are you you okay? And Tracy's like, honestly, I'm not sure. It doesn't help that Tracy is very open to supernatural things and that Nick actually is a supernatural thing. And we spend a lot of time investigating the ghosts in this episode. And I love every time Reese calls them out like, you are not investigating the murder. This is not about fucking ghosts. Ghosts did not murder this man. Stop looking into the ghosts. And they're like, but the ghosts, though, Cap. Like, look at the ghosts. The captain. (laughs) The ghosts. <laughs> These must be the most infuriating two people in his entire like <laughs> because every once in a while, I mean, they solve every case. They solve every case. How they get there is highly suspect every single time. It must be like, uh, so Nick has tenure. He can't do anything with her. Tracy, him. And Tracy can't, like, what can he do with Tracy? She's the commissioner's daughter. So these are two people he can't get rid of. And Right, and, and then anytime he even mentions it to someone, yeah. like in HR, HR is like, well, okay, let's let's take a look at their their record. Yeah. Wait, these this is your best performing yeah. team. They like, close every case. And he's like, have you looked at the cases? Look at what they do. <laughs> And what he needs, what he needs is a string of failures so he can bring that up and right. be like, hey, we really need to get this Nick guy off the force and maybe put Tracy on a desk. And it never happens. But when it they goes into fail. when when it gets to the point where they need to justify like a complaint. Yeah. It's always just, I don't know, it bothers me when <laughs> when we're going through the process of them solving the case. Yeah. I just feel like things are kind of hand wavy <laughs> and it always works out but but <laughs> only because the bad I don't guy argue, reveals themselves i don't argue with the results <laughs> it's just their technique they literally just blunder they're doing it wrong they literally bumble <laughs> around in the dark Success- until they hit the bad guy task failed successfully task failed successfully every fucking time <laughs> like in the feet look at the last episode they investigated nothing they talked to no one. They brought in no one else who was in the study. They didn't talk to any of her colleagues. They did nothing. And both of them kept leaving to go, quote, talk to a sick friend or sit with a sick friend. So they were alternatingly not even being there to solve this case. And mm-hmm. literally the only way it got solved is Nick got yelled at that he needed to go talk to the, like, he needed to go talk to Calvin. So he goes to talk to Calvin, and Calvin's like, yeah, I did it. And that's how it gets solved. So anyway, 
They actually go do some investigation, I guess. They go talk to the property owner. They're like, I don't know. We'll go talk to the property owner. So they go talk to the property owner. And this is the weirdest scene because he's like, oh, yes, it's extremely haunted. Sherelle can attest to that, can't you, sweetheart? This is a little like blonde lady who's serving everybody tea or coffee or whatever. And he goes, she's had encounters there in the dead of night. Of course it's haunted. Sherelle can attest, can't you, sweetheart? She's had encounters there in the dead of night. Ooh, episode title. But I don't think she even gets a line. She's just like, nod, nod, yes. And then he says, later, he's talking about, oh, I have an alibi. I was exercising. Sherelle was helping with me with that. <laughs> Weren't you, sweetheart? Like, it's just the weirdest, like, lecherous old man and his hot secretary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is probably good because it makes us immediately dismiss this character. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, his hot secretary, okay, whatever. Right. Right, it's just a part of this guy's character introduction. Yeah, and Ogden is surprisingly open-minded. He's like, ghosts are just people without bodies, detective. They're still people, they just don't have bodies. And he says Kessel House, which is the haunted house, is a reverse medium in which the dead come to the living for closure. And they're like, uh, okay, so Gefford, Gefford, that's his first name. Gefford Weintroff. Um, did <laughs> you know him? Hated this character. <laughs> <laughs> did you know him? And Ogden's like, I mean, I didn't know him except that he was an asshole. And I didn't kill him because I was exercising. Wink, wink, right, Sherelle? She's my personal trainer. Don't you know? Don't you know? And he says, one of the things I'm looking forward to when I become a ghost is losing all of the extra like the, uh, yeah. like the bulky package bulky, or the bulky packaging is what he yeah. says and nick is like oh okay <laughs> but he does say that he had gefford sign a waiver before he inspected the property he's like i told him it was hella haunted and he said he was going to be fine and i made him sign a waiver so whatever and tracy says did gefford believe it was haunted these are not important questions to the murder like whether or no. not the house was haunted has absolutely fuck all but to do nick and tracy's process works <laughs> so they've never had to correct it i mean it's literally instead of being like did you did what did he interact with anybody else in your group did he interact with Sherelle? was there anyone that you saw who was upset with him um, did you notice any strange behavior? Like, did he look like he was being threatened? Like, none of that. They're just like, do you think he thought it was haunted? And Ogden goes, well, I know he didn't yesterday. <laughs> I haven't talked to him since. I haven't talked to him since. And then we go to Natalie in the morgue and she's recording her notes. And this older lady appears behind her. She's in the um, freezer room, which we don't see very often anymore, but she's in this freezer room. And this old lady appears behind her and she's like, oh, Natasha, this is an awful place. <laughs> I didn't know Natalie was Russian. <laughs> <laughs> she, is she ethnically Russian? Why don't you come to see me, Natasha? <laughs> Natalie's like, grandma? <laughs> and then she said something about, she says something in Russian, something like, Natasha, why you don't come see me in hospital? Why you don't come see Das Vidania to me? 
I don't even remember now because you made it crack. You were like, hang on, when did Natalie become Russian? <laughs> it just blew it all out of my head. Anyway, so yeah, apparently um, Natalie, whose name is Natalie, uh, is also Natasha, the granddaughter of her Russian babushka. Isn't that what grandmother <laughs> is? I don't know. Um, In the credits, she's Nana Tash. Oh, okay. Nana Tash? I'm guessing that was... That was her Nana. Okay. But she's not... Okay, it doesn't matter. matter. (laughs) (laughs) Matt was like, wait, she's Russian? was like, yeah, Lambert is a well-known Russian surname. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's Natalie's first encounter. Well, I guess kind of her second encounter because her grandmother also fucked with that name tag. But this is like her first, oh, shit, I got followed home by this supernatural entity. And we come back and we're in this interrogate... like. In the interrogation room is somebody that they're talking to. I forget. Maybe the realtor. And Reese is talking to Natalie, not Nick and Tracy, in the little room right outside the interrogation room, the weird cinder block room that they always have intense conversations in. (laughs) And and Reese is like, okay, we know this was foul play. He went over the force. He went over the railing with enough force to push the railing down. That tells me he was pushed. And Tracy goes, don't know how we missed that one. But she's like looking at Nick like wink, wink. Like, what What do you mean, Tracy? Are you mocking Reese? Are you mocking yourself? Who are we mocking in this moment? Because she literally goes, don't know how we missed that one. Oh, <sighs> uh, uh, what? And then Reese is like, we aren't focusing here, people. I mean, what else is new? <laughs> I feel like they're on an improvement plan because he's following them. He's following them this entire episode because last episode he was leaving them to their own devices and look what happened. They solved the case, but like by accident. Right. This seems like it, the the headcanon of <laughs> Nick and Tracy are, are on a performance improvement plan. Yeah. The only justification for like a correction to the way they do things from like a management perspective is it's just PR issue. It's like, <laughs> guys, you, we're police officers. You're detectives. We need to be perceived as more professional yeah. than you are. Well, the problem is that they solve the case, but it always takes one to two additional murders before they figure <laughs> it out. So instead of catching the guy right away and stopping all the additional murders. We have to keep waiting until the evidence mounts up so spectacularly that they trip over it and land on the villain. But then it's always a slam dunk conviction. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, and a larger sentence. You wait long enough, they're going to mess up. Sure. So Reese is like, okay. Um, the agent said she left to go use her car phone. And Tracy goes, well, that's easy enough to verify. And Reese goes, well, did you? And looks over at Tracy. <laughs> Tracy goes, no. And then he looks at Nick and Nick's like, you can verify that? (laughs) What, you can just ask the spirits in in the boxes? (laughs) I still don't know. And you trust them? I still don't know how electricity works. Do you want me to do that? (laughs) Like when the electricity flickers earlier? Yeah. It doesn't bother Nick because he's lived. 90 for 95 percent of his life with no electricity that That was fine so reese is like well surprise motherfuckers i tried to verify it and the cell phone company said that it wasn't used all night so there goes her alibi what are we gonna do about it and tracy and nick are like crickets uh 
talk to her? Yes, we're going to talk. And Reese goes, the caretaker said he left Gefford with the lady realtor. And the lady realtor said she left Gefford alone. And that's two prime suspects. So please, for the love of fucking God, go get me something. You only have to talk to two people. Two people. And they're like, okay, we got this. And Natalie comes in. <laughs> Natalie comes in. Here, I, I have I have the, the questionnaire like script yeah. with multiple choice answers. <laughs> just, <laughs> just please follow the police procedure. Did you murder the victim, yes or no? Check yes or no. <laughs> you can hand this to the person. <laughs> they can fill it out themselves. You don't even need to read it. <laughs> I made it for you because I'm trying just, to. <laughs> just read the answers after they fill it out. <laughs> if yes, please explain in two to three sentences. <laughs> if yes, please explain. <laughs> but Natalie comes in and she's like, she starts to talk and Reese goes, don't tell me it's accidental. And Natalie's like, well, I mean, yeah, he fell, he fell out of the window. It's kind of accidental. And Reese is like, no, fucking no. Which actually Reese doesn't get to decide that. Natalie gets to decide that the police actually don't ha- shouldn't have any jurisdiction over what the crime is ruled as. Right. She could put indetermined, like I can't decide if it's accidental or if it's clearly like homicide. I can put, I don't know. Impaled. Impa- I mean, she can put, that's manner of death, but right. cause of death is it, or like, no, cause of death would be impaled. Manner would be like homicide uh, or, you know, um, or accident. Accidental or, or undetermined. Yeah. yeah. Or natural, whatever. So there, it's like the, did he get killed? Can I confirm he got killed deliberately? Like, if he got shot, that's clearly... He didn't fall on the bullets, except for the lady that didn't. No, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> Reese is like, okay, well, you guys need to know something about me. Not only am I unable to use the water cooler... <laughs> Vendetta. <laughs> Canley. Canley. <laughs> but I also am confused about why people kill people. Those two things. The, the I cannot thir- relate to it. It's inconceivable <laughs> to me. The third thing is I don't like it when people get away with murder on my watch. So we're going to look at this again and we're going to pretend it's a homicide. And that we're going to investigate it like homicide Let's cops. Let's treat this like a hypothetical situation. This was a homicide. Yeah. Now approach the crime with that from that perspective. Yeah. And explain to me how it's a homicide. Yeah. Find me something. He's like, these people are going to get away because I have nothing. I need you to act like cops and find some evidence. And they're like, ah, fine. He goes, you know what? Sleep on it. Like, go home. Try tomorrow. <laughs> and they can't even do that. <laughs> I can't even go home. Go home. They can't. Instructions no, no, because nobody sleeps. <laughs> right. On account of the ghosts. On account of the ghosts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Nick actually goes back to the house. He doesn't go home. He goes back to the house. And he sees the blonde lady again. And he's like, Alyssa? My wife? <laughs> And she's like, you said we'd be together forever. (laughs) And she goes, listen, just say you remember me. Like, do you remember me? We were together for like two weeks. Do you remember me? And he's really looking at her like, blonde. 
like 750 years ago. Cape. Okay. Well, there's been a couple of blondes. I don't know. This one, like, I think, I think it started with an A. An A. um, Ah, Alyssa. Yes. My wife. Yeah. No, I remember you. So he goes into a flashback. He's like, ah, yes. The big booty shorts. (laughs) This this flashback is so much. (laughs) First, there's columns. And there's like ivy wrapped around the columns. And there's guests, which I guess they're all her family. I don't know. There's wedding guests. And for some reason, they're, they're, is there a cross? I didn't even look. I don't think they're oh, really yeah. in a That's church. A good point. But there's an officiant. So they're clearly getting actually married. So he's like getting married to this woman. And she has on this really pretty kind of sparkly white dress. And then she has this cape, this fur lined cape on. And then he has on. Some straight Shakespeare, neck rough, doublet, puffy pants, tights, shoes, the works. It, I lose it every time. I know this is supposed to be really dramatic and this is supposed to be like, oh no, he's getting married to this woman because he really loves her and he's about to accidentally kill her, but also puffy pants, <laughs> also puffy pants. And of course, LaCroix is there and LaCroix holds up this flower and smells this flower and it's not a tiny white rose like from own like from be my valentine but headcanon for me is he's remembering fleur in this moment and he picks up a little white rose to smell it like ah i could have had this i could have had love too and nick fucked it up so the i was looking up um clothing oh, okay. history stuff ah the that neck ruffle uh-huh uh, is just called a ruff. Yeah. But it wasn't like a a fashion item until the 1600s. Okay, so he's 400? He's tried to turn people before this. Right. So I'm thinking this would have happened in like the 1300s. Yeah. Maybe 1400s if we're really stretching out his like vampire adolescent period well he has a similar rough on in the episode where when he's getting a divorce from Jeanette remember the medieval right, episode where he's like they we've were been together, together 80 years and he's got the rough on right but they could have been that could have been like a formal marriage well it's no I think from much later I'm just wondering about the overlap if we're using because the, the rough wasn't popular for very long I think mean, it was popular for a while but it wasn't popular for like it's not like a tie or like a neckerchief where a neckerchief could be anywhere in a certain period. Okay. The, according to Wikipedia, uh, let's see, 1560s people wore it. Yeah. Shakespeare has one on. So that, that tracks. So, so it would have been after the mid 1500s. Yeah. It's just interesting. It's interesting. I don't know why they chose this time period. I don't know why they chose this outfit. I don't really. (laughs) I mean, it's a gift. It's a gift. And I'm just thankful for the gift we were given. All right, Nick. Or all right, Gare. This is going to be a flashback to your first love. And you need to, we're going to have a flashback where like you see the scene where Nick and this woman get married. Yeah. So you're having like a formal marriage. She's a mortal woman. She doesn't know you're a vampire. Whatever, blah, blah, blah. So we need we need fancy clothes. And Gare's like, 
I have just the thing. Did he show up in that outfit? <laughs> I have something in my closet that would be perfect. <laughs> I was just in a play where they made me this really nice outfit. Yeah. And I love <laughs> the shorts. <laughs> They're so roomy. <laughs> breathe. <laughs> so he shows up in this. And they're like, and they're like, um, it, the costume designer's like, that's yeah, that's not that's fine. the right time yeah, period, but it is extremely well made. <laughs> um, so sure, we'll go, go with it. it. You know, actually, <laughs> you're excited. I don't have to make an outfit. <laughs> sure, <laughs> there you can find a timeline of all of his flashbacks online where somebody went and figured out dates, mm-hmm. and and surprisingly, there are uh, there's no contradictions. Like there's no two. He's not in two oh, there's places no overlaps. at once. And I feel like somebody somewhere had a spreadsheet the whole time, and they were like, "No, no, wait, guys, we got to move this a little bit because he's actually in Russia at this time, or he's over here." And for as inconsistent, it was Nigel, irreverent <laughs> as they were for consistency. The fact that the flashbacks actually. Don't, don't contradict, each, contradict other. each other is a fucking miracle. And you know what? Sometimes you just have to say thank you and not look that gift horse in the mouth. And we're going to do that with these puffy pants and this rough and all of that. And back to my statement about LaCroix is uh, we are, as consistent as we are, we actually forgot that LaCroix is sworn to vendetta. Like he's sworn to kill every woman that Nick ever loves. But that's okay, because I... What was this before or after Fleur? Well, no, he's his when his human family is still alive, that would be... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess this would have to be... That'd be the 1200s. Uh, this could technically be before, but... Did he invent the rough? Did... Is he a fashion Nick icon? <laughs> Did he get his head stuck in it and he couldn't get it out? And he was like, "Well, here we are. I'm just gonna wear this to my wedding." I don't know. We're we're not. I don't want to. I don't want to dwell anymore on this. The it's just we forgot about the whole Lacoste being sworn to kill everyone he loved thing. Kind of maybe. I don't know. Maybe he figured Nick was gonna do it, or he would just wait. Although and have we his don't contradict later. that. No. We just at towards the end we get Lacroix like tisk tisk tisk. Yeah. You should have been more careful. And I could totally Your see smells La- of death. Lacroix sneaking in and like finishing her off uh, just to teach Nick a lesson. Yeah. I mean, he could have. I don't know. He's sniffing yeah. this little rose. To me, that he's remembering Fleur. This is, this is canon and I'm leaving it here. So then Alyssa disappears into the darkness in the present. And Nick comes out and he's like, oh, wow. I knew, I knew vampires were real, but ghosts being real, that's pretty fucking sweet. And so, luckily, he's um, he's like staggers. God, I couldn't think of the word staggers. I was like stutters. No, stutters. No, he staggers a little bit, and he grabs the like post at the end of the walkway. And when he looks down in the rocks, there's a medal, like a star medal. I looked up the. Flashback timeline. Okay. And this says, dead of night, uh, Nick marries Alyssa von Linz. Okay. Date, 1528. Okay, see? We're right. So it fits. Yep. And then three years later is uh, a young... Oh, Javier's flashback. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, this is important news and it can't wait till the end. Ben Bass is now a licensed psychotherapist. He retired from acting. No, he's still doing some acting. Oh, he still does acting? Yeah, but he's also a licensed psychotherapist. But like the... The woo-woo kind of like... <laughs> oh, he really is? Yes. Woo-woo is not a great word, but it feels like the appropriate word. Like if you look it up and then you look at his... um, You look at his credentials. His credentials are... Like, I understand those words separately, but when you put them together in that string of, of words that I don't know what you're trying to say to me, it's like, he's like certified in brain spotting and like somatic holistic BenBassCounseling.com. Yes. Yes. Integrated so, counseling and somatic therapy. Yes. So if you find yourself uh, in need of some brain spotting... Uh, Javier's got you, okay? Ben Bass can go ahead and help you. <laughs> Diploma in Transpersonal Psychotherapeutic Counseling. <laughs> See? It's not... That's not... I mean, I don't know. If that's not woo-woo, I don't know. Maybe I just don't... I, I don't... I am an advocate for therapy, but, like, the type of therapist that has gone to college for therapy, like, has a four to an additional year degree. Anyway... The episode, Matthew, the episode. He finds this star and he learned nothing from the last episode because he just picks this evidence up barehanded and he like looks at it with his fingers. He rubs his fingers on it a little bit and then he like flips it into his palm and then sticks it in his pocket. So, I mean, clearly he's, he's respecting <laughs> this evidence. Yeah, he's definitely not contaminating yeah, no, the blood it's fine, or anything. It's fine. He doesn't have fingerprints. It's fine. So then, Tracy, and there's no blood in his body. That's no human blood, anyway. Yeah, they're gonna be like, "Why is there cow blood on this?" I don't know. <laughs> so Tracy, Tracy's trying to sleep, um, but in fact, she's having a dream about walking along the railroad tracks with her friend, with her with sled. But like, there's no snow. What were they doing with this sled? I don't know. And her friend's sled gets stuck in the railroad track. <laughs> she tries to unstick and so she's the sled, to unstick and it. her <laughs> sweater gets stuck. Sweater gets and Tracy's like, come on, Susan. And Susan's like, help me, I'm stuck. And then she turns and like, there's a train coming, but it's coming like immediately, like they didn't hear it coming. And she just turns and she's like, oh my God, it's already here. And it like hits her. And Tracy's like, this was all my fault. And like, kind of, because your friend was I, stuck and you were just standing there like, Many times I up. have walked along railroad tracks. Yeah. And you can hear it. You can feel it yeah, far away. Well, we went to school or we went to college. There was a railroad track that went directly through the middle of school, of college. And yeah, one like time, right on the edge of the campus. Yeah. One time we were standing there. I think we may have put a penny on the tracks or something. So we were waiting to pick up our penny and um, a train went by and we didn't notice. I was just like, why was I just shouting? Oh, because a train went by. Like you get used to the sound. But also you're riding, you're walking on the tracks. You're alert for trains. Right. Um, I don't know. Whatever. It's kind of like Tracy's magically disappearing uncle and the fact that her dad only interferes when we need to advance the plot. And I think in a couple of episodes, her parents are getting a divorce for one single episode and then they're not getting a divorce anymore. So, like, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. The, the rules are made up and the plot doesn't matter. So they go to see the partner because Reese yelled at them like, he made them feel bad. So they're they're going to actually talk to people. So they go see um, Gefford Weintroff's partner, Scally. 
And they're like, don't you care that your partner died? And he's like, yeah, sure, I care. Now I have twice the work. And they're like, wow, you don't feel, you don't seem very sympathetic. And he's like, he didn't have any friends. Weintroff was an asshole. You didn't meet him because he was all dead already by the time you got to him. But trust me, nobody misses him. He had mostly enemies. And they're like, okay, well, why was he planning to buy this? Did you know what his plans were? And he's like, actually, we didn't have any oh, much overlap by the time he died because we weren't really getting along. So the last few months. Yeah. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to have to ask you to stick around in case we have more questions for you. And he's like, sorry, I'm going to Calgary tomorrow. And they're like, yeah, sounds like you're going to have to change your plans. And Tracy gets this little smirk like, <laughs> sticking it to the rich person. <laughs> so the least realistic part about this to me yeah. is he implies that they each do half of the work. But anyone who's worked together with someone else <laughs> knows that one person does most of the work. Yeah. Maybe they split. They could have split. They accounts. split on. They maybe could've... they maybe they split on like types of tasks. Yeah. So that like he does most of the like closing work, whereas Gefford Weintroff does more of the like speculation, like going out and investigating properties and yeah. like do the talking to people part. Yeah. The going out into the world and talking to people <laughs> and Scaly does yeah. the. The paperwork side. I feel like maybe that was a mistake because Weintraub didn't seem very uh, people-y. No. 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 But they don't look super successful either. Yeah. Well, they leave. And but they I, oh, I guess it is the middle of the night. Yeah. So we don't really know <laughs> what the workplace is I mean, like. he's working in the middle of the night, so he must be busy. Which means he's bad at his job Not if he no. has to work... 16 hour days. Well, maybe he works from He's like bad at time two o'clock in the afternoon to 2 a.m. and then he goes to bed and gets back. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter. So we go back to the precinct. The plot's made up and the rules don't matter. So we go back to the precinct and uh, Reese is like, Oh, the pin was military and it's covered in Weintraub's blood. And Nick is like, Yay, I did a thing. And I have to imagine he's Hooray, <laughs> I did police work. Hooray, I was useful. And I have to feel like he came back and he pulled it out of his pocket and he was like, uh-huh. And showed it to Reese, and Reese <laughs> like, was like, Reese, look, oh, good. I did police work. Is that evidence? Oh. I have evidence, oh. and it actually had his blood on I'm it. I'm so proud. And I talked to the ghost, too. Reese, <laughs> slap. No. <laughs> Bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bad boy, now go to your desk. <laughs> Think about what you said. So Tracy confides that she saw a ghost at Kessel House, confides it to Nick. She's like, Nick, I have to tell you something. I saw a ghost at Kessel House. And Nick is like, oh, okay. Like, he doesn't laugh like she was expecting him to. Nick, what if I told you I saw a ghost at Kessel House? The little girl in the car. I thought you'd laugh. And she tells him, like, I saw a friend get killed by a train when I was little. And I blamed myself. And her name was Susan Feldman. And Nick is like, okay. I mean, that's horrific. Tracy just said she watched her friend get run over by a train. Which is gruesome. Oh, oh okay. Um, sure. And then, Tracy, did you go to therapy about that? And Nick that? is like, oh, I know a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> you know a therapist. <laughs> Tracy knows a therapist. So this whole episode, I was waiting for Tracy to go to see Vashon oh, to have a, a candid supernatural discussion. Yeah. 
and I really wanted Vashon's take on ghosts, but I didn't get it. No. Ugh. No. I bet Ben Bass believes in ghosts. Uh, we can't make those kinds of assumptions about people, but given his credentials on his Gi- website. Given I'm, his credentials. I feel like that's probably a good guess. Yeah. So we go back to Natalie, and Natalie drops a tray, and we like pan up because her grandma is back. And she's like, Natasha, why? <laughs> and Natalie says, I know you're just a figment of my imagination, but don't sneak up on me like that. And her grandma's like, sorry. <laughs> And Natalie goes, you're dead. Why are you here? And her grandma's like, um, I don't know. I, I don't saw know. I you. I saw you. I just and I followed, go to say hello. I just followed you home. <laughs> Natasha. <laughs> and then Nick and Tracy walk in and they're like, Natalie, uh, who are you talking to? And she's like, oh, my God. She like falls over on the table. And they're like giving her a glass of water. <laughs> And they've turned the lights on because apparently she only works in the dark. Maybe there's like a budgeting shortage. She has to turn the lights <laughs> off more often. But Natalie, uh, Natalie's like, I don't know. Is it a hallucination? Is it hallucinogenics? Am I losing my mind? And Tracy's like, actually, it's happening to me too. And they both look over at Nick and Nick's like, okay, I mean, I yeah, saw me something. Sure. And I'm not going to explain anything. though. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I saw somebody. I saw a woman. Yeah. There you you know, he doesn't say, he just goes, I saw somebody. He might say a woman. I think he says a woman. Yeah. Everybody and else is like, I saw my grandma. She said this. And Tracy's like, I saw my friend who got run over by a train five feet in front of me when I was a child. And they all look at Tracy like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and Nick's like, I saw a lady. Yeah. Yeah. And Natalie's like, well, I am done with this conversation. And Nick's like, well, good. Because we actually do need to focus on people because ghosts didn't kill these guys. Ghosts didn't kill Weintroff. And like, Fair call, Nick. Thank you for actually redirecting everybody to like, yeah, shit's weird and it's really interesting. And like, I'm having fun chasing this rabbit hole with everybody else. But also we kind of have a job and Reese is noticing that we don't do it. So we need to like get on this. So Tracy is like, yeah, I hear you. But Natalie, did you talk to your grandma? Were you honest with her? And Natalie's like, well, no, not really. I mean, she's a figment of my imagination. It didn't really occur to me to be honest with her. And Tracy's like... That means she's going to be back. Okay. And then we got to LaCroix podcasting. He's like, <laughs> okay, so, inside of so us. So right before this scene came on, yeah, I told Rachel that my headcanon up to this point is that all of the hallucinations that everyone is having, or I guess not hallucinations. Everybody believes they're seeing these ghosts. These supernatural experiences. These supernatural experiences yeah. that everyone is happening is really just LaCroix sneaking around, hypnotizing everybody, convincing them that they had an experience with a ghost, yeah, and then removing the memory of him being there telling them that. And all of this is just to fuck with Nick. Yeah. Oh, no. This is one giant troll. I can which, see that. Which would totally work. Yep. And part of my reasoning for that is after we explain that the house is a reverse medium and the ghosts find you, I would have expected Nick to walk into that house and like not have any room to walk around. Right. Because the house was so crowded. But we didn't get any of that. Not till later. Not to not till later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
It's a better episode if it's Luke Wapa. <laughs> if at the end he's like, psych y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Got, you. Got you. I even hired a whole bunch of extras with spotlights. <laughs> He put, and together smoke a team. he put together a team. He installed smoke machines. <laughs> what else is he doing? The Raven practically runs itself. He's got so much time. He set up a recording booth right, in the and, back. And this could be a just playing the long game or just a Hail Mary of he needs to discredit. So accusing Nick or trying to frame Nick for murder yeah. to get Nick to leave his human life and return to Lacroix. Yeah. That didn't work. Right. It it was a little too heavy-handed and uh and Nick could see the manipulation uh very straightforwardly. Right. It was easily but, solved. You just find the actual murderer. Yeah. yeah. So maybe then Lacroix's like, okay, I need a little more subtle gambit to Bring my Nicholas back to me. Mm. Okay. Uh, what if I get like him and his partner and like his closest human connections to all think he's crazy, get him fired from his job for believing in ghosts without like hypnotizing anybody and telling them directly to distance themselves from Nick or fire him or whatever. Yeah. It's all just at the edges introducing friction into Nick's life. And maybe in a year or so, Nick's human life will fall apart. Yeah. And Nick will return to LaCroix. That's uncharacteristically subtle, but yeah. Right. But all of his... Nick all of his Lacroix likes to believe he's a scalpel, but he's a hammer. Right. Yeah. All of his attempts up to this point have failed. Right. So maybe Lacroix's back to the drawing board. Let's try something new. Ghosts. And <laughs> ghosts. Fake ghosts. That's it. That's what we're going to go I'm with. I'm just going to fuck with people in a completely different way. That's fair. And make them think they're all crazy or having legit supernatural experiences. So, okay. So, yeah. I still have a little bit of headcanon for this whole thing is just LaCroix messing with Nick. I mean, sure. And to underscore that, he makes a podcast about it. Yeah. And he's like, ghosts are from inside of us. Each ill-considered thing we've done is a ghost that haunts us if we let it. A ghost is an hallucination of some famous regret. No more. Ghosts are mistakes that we've made. They come not from beyond the pale, but rise up from our gravest doubts about ourselves. Each ill-considered thing that we have done is a ghost that haunts us. If we let it. Very this on is point. So inspiring. How does Laquan know so much about how Nick and his friends, Nick and friends, are interacting <laughs> with these ghosts. If he's not actually doing it. If he's not behind it. Yeah. It's too succinct a summary of the whole reverse medium thing. Right. Well, you got a point. You're wrong, and we don't ever come back to it, but you've got but a point. <laughs> so there's then we go into a flashback. Go into a flashback. And it's... Nick with his new wife. She's like, are you happy, my Lord Nicholas? 
And he's like, yeah, because we're going to be together forever, right? And she's like, yeah, we're going to be together forever. We're going to be together forever, right? And he's like, yep, eternity, whatever you say, baby, because they're making out. So whatever, yeah. we're into this. And he's like, okay, so when you say forever, you like mean forever, right? Because like, that's actually a thing. Like I could make you immortal. And she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> She goes along with this. I mean, surprisingly they've been making easily. out for six hours. She doesn't have a thought left in her brain. <laughs> the proximity was bad enough, but then he's literally been like depriving her of moisture for the last forty-five minutes. She's dehydrated. She can't think straight. And he's like, "Okay, so I'm immortal, and I can make you immortal, and it's gonna be my gift to you, okay?" And so he like rolls over, and he has the eyes and the fangs. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine Disher said she used to feel left out when they'd all start filming the flashbacks because she's not she's only in Stranger Than Fiction. Oh, yeah. She's not in any of the flashbacks. And she said until they had to stop to put in the teeth and the eyes. And then she was like, no, nope, never mind. I don't feel left out because <laughs> it's not actually like two clip on fangs. It's like a whole flipper thing. It's like a um, this whole the teeth are actually on this like root. They're connected. OK. And they're like pushed up against the roof of their mouths. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, like modern fangs, if I were to buy a pair of fangs, you know, they just fit over the tooth. That's not what they do here. They're like a whole mouthpiece Okay. that he puts in. Plus the contacts were painful because yeah. they're, they're gas permeable. They're not plastic. And so he rolls over and he's like, do you trust me? And she looks at him and she's like, okay, all right, I am married. It is 1530. I've got about 10 years left anyway, and I can't get divorced because divorce isn't a thing. And I mean, I'm in it so sure. Yeah, baby, whatever you say. And he's, she says, of course, my Lord, with all my heart. And then he's like, then close your eyes and give yourself to me. And he like bites her. And we come back to the present. And the quad's like, regret is for the weak. Kill it before it bleeds you dry. And then Tracy goes, click, and turns off the radio. She goes, sorry, that guy gets under my skin. <laughs> <laughs> and then Tracy's like, so Nick, what do you think Susan wants? Like, what does Susan want from me? And Nick goes, why not ask? She never does ask. We never find out what Susan wants, but. You know, she yeah, could we have never asked. get we never get Tracy's closure. Yeah, well, Does no. Tracy Susan ever wanted get Tracy to also die. I think that's well, what and that's implied. Yeah, but only because no, we don't get closure. Tracy has. Does Tracy continue to be haunted by Susan for the rest of her life? Maybe, maybe we'll find out. <laughs> so <laughs> see one... if I can find a situation in a. Upcoming Later. episodes uh -huh. where we can throw in, oh, maybe that's oh, Susan, that Susan distracting her. Yeah. Well, they're going to tear and, down the building. And but... she's learned to just ignore Susan. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, don't. Why is that chair floating? What's that rotten egg smell? Nothing. Don't ask. <laughs> so Weintraub's partner calls them on their car phone and says someone is tailing him just like they tailed my partner. And... Nick is like, uh, okay, who is it? And he goes, it's someone dead. And then they ask, no clarifying questions. They're like, cool, we're on the way. Not, okay, what's her name? Well, because he grabs his gun and runs. Oh, yeah, he, he hangs up. He drops the phone. Yeah, he doesn't. It's the yield. I'll tell you when you get here. And then, of course, by the time they get there, he's already turned It's and too late. And Nick says, uh, when they get there, he's like, oh, something's not right. I'll go around. 
They've matured to the point in their relationship, their partnership. I think this is the second time we've used it. He almost used the phrase, I'll go around back. I think he he said something where he used the word around in it. But he didn't say it like, I'll I'll go go around. around. This time he says, I'll go around back. Yeah. You go in the front. So he goes around and Tracy turns around because she hears something. Well, she hears something behind her. And then we actually see a shadow go up the side of the building and we hear whoosh. Because he runs like five feet off to the left. Flies up. (laughs) And then we see glass breaking, which, oh my God, this is how he gets into buildings. We never cover that. There's just broken windows all over Toronto. And everyone just blames the Toronto Mothman. They're like, God damn it, Mothman strikes again. Never even tries to open the... Well, occasionally he must try to open the window. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's when he lands on a balcony and there's like a balcony door. He can give it a jingle. Or there's a window that's already open. Yeah. He doesn't break in. Right. Well, but, you know what? In Toronto, everybody leaves one window unlocked at all times because that way the Toronto Mothman doesn't break your windows. If you lock them all, he's going to break one. We're coming up with a whole urban mythology. <laughs> yeah, this is part of the Toronto cryptid leg- legend, okay? <laughs> so that's anyway, that's how he gets through windows when you don't leave one unlocked. So be ye warned. You must leave a gift, the gift of an unlocked bathroom window. <laughs> this is the the Forever Night extended universe yeah. urban mythology. <laughs> yeah. So Tracy sees Susan behind her and gets distracted, and someone slips out the door. Like behind her, someone's walking out the door as she's like, Susan, Susan. And Matt goes, oh, my God, it's Sarah. And I was like, Susan. (laughs) See, that's part of your problem. Tracy doesn't even remember. This started with an S. It was S, Sarah, Susan. Like, (laughs) Um, I mean, I get that Tracy needed a ghost. But could we have? I mean, it could have been her uncle. Why not bring her uncle back? Why didn't her you uncle save who me, died of heart disease. Why didn't you get me a heart? Why did? Why did you make up? Look at the tragic backstory that we're building for Tracy. <laughs> this is terrible. And Susan almost lures her out into the road and then disappears. And meanwhile, Nick finds the guy's dead body, the Scally's dead body, and he's sitting in a chair. And there's no obvious signs of foul play. He's just sitting in this chair. And so we come back and Reese is like, don't say it. And Natalie goes, I think it was an accidental death. And Reese is like, motherfucker. It was a heart attack. Yeah. Natalie says, "Um, I mean, he died of a massive heart attack. And Reese says he was too young for a heart attack. I'm sorry, Reese. Hey, excuse me, Reese. But who's who is actually a medical doctor here? Yeah. At the table. Yeah. Like within three feet of you. I mean, Reese, I know you put. Nick and Tracy on an improvement plan, but do leave Natalie out of it, okay? She's just doing her fucking job. Natalie's great at her job. Yeah, because he's like, did you check his medical records? And she's like, yeah, and there's nothing there. I'm good at my job, Reese. I do my fucking job. The fact that they don't listen to me is entirely immaterial. I do my job. I can tell what animal a blood comes from from the smell, Reese. (laughs) Give me five minutes in the morgue. And I can identify the host species. <laughs> I, I <laughs> uh, It was implied last episode, I could find the cure for HIV if I just had the time. So I need you to con- – I just saved an entire race. I just saved an entire fucking race, okay? In my spare time. In my spare time. <laughs> and Natalie literally goes, I don't know. He died of a heart attack, but so much weird shit has been happening. If you said he died of fear, I'd believe it. And Reese is like, these people had real enemies 
They were killed by a real person. Please stop chasing ghosts. And Nick goes, wish they'd stop chasing us. Did he know who was following him? It was a dead someone, he said. Look, these guys have real flesh and blood enemies. Stop chasing ghosts, will you? I wish they'd stop chasing us. <laughs> You're not helping me. <laughs> you, you say that under your breath <laughs> to, in your partner's ear. <laughs> and Not I wonder in front of your captain. I wonder if there was a gap in filming here because his hair is way longer in this episode than it is in previous episodes. And he stops wearing anything but these like black outfits. His black trench coat, black shirt, black pants, which I'm not mad at. But also we went from like fairly trim haircut to like the exact same hairstyle he had in uh Grand Magic, which was like wild and wooly but slightly brushed back mm -hmm. but reese pops out he's like well the one piece of police work you did where you found this medal congratulations i followed up on it for you and it is a u.s army service star from 20 years ago that's what that medal was and nick is like yes i did a thing and he says he must have grabbed it from his attacker in the struggle so when, whatever was happening in the struggle grabbed the pin and jumped off fell off the roof with it and so Tracy has figured out that Weintroff and Scally were frat brothers in college. And Nick is like, oh, maybe the ghost had it in for both of them. Like an old debt. Why are we assuming it's just the fact that we only run with the ghost angle in this entire episode. And yet somehow we still succeed. Well, they, they trace the connection between two victims. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So Natalie is back in the morgue and she's taking more notes in the dark again. And she's like, grandma? N no. Okay. No, that's fine. And then all of a sudden her grandma like grabs her shoulder. So Natalie twists around and her grandma goes, that, that nice boy, Nick, he likes you. I can tell. That nice boy, Nick, he likes you. I can tell. He seems like a very down-to-earth young fellow. He seems like a very Don't rub it in, Grandma. Young. Even her grandma from beyond the grave is like, why is he not that into you? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Natalie. And she's like, but seriously, though, why did you not come visit me when I was in the hospital? And Natalie's like, well, since you made the crack about why does Nick not like me better, I didn't come to the hospital because you hit me. Because when you were raising me, you were not a nice person. And the grandma's like, yes, I recognize now that that was not a great approach. And I apologize. I apologize. And Natalie's like, uh, thank you. I accept your apology. Yeah, like, and the, I was I was dealing with my own trauma at the time, and I'm sorry that I took it out on you. Yeah. Yeah. And Natalie probably recognizes that. Natalie's like, okay, thank you. Like, I just wanted you to say you were sorry. That's all I ever wanted. And the grandma's like, cool, I'm happy now. I can rest. She's Actually, she's like, I am happy now. I can rest. And she, like, disappears. <laughs> she starts slowly backing you up. <laughs> Natalie's like, wait, wait, grandma, where are you? Where are you? And she's like, I'm right here, Natalie. <laughs> she goes, I am sleeping, Natasha, in a beautiful dream. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. 
<laughs> and then we get this really cool scene. We need a smoke I, machine. <laughs> no one can see it. We just need it in here to set the yeah. set the scene. If we recorded it for YouTube, we could have it. And it would be like, woo, the Halloween episode in February. So <laughs> <laughs> I really love this scene that follows because she's like turning to look at her grandma and the camera pans around her and Nick is standing in the far background in the shadow. And since he's wearing all black, he's kind of like obscured in the back and he's like, Natalie, like, are you okay? And she turns around and she's like, oh my God, I just got an apology from my grandma. That's I've all literally I've been really waiting wanted. my entire life and for Nick an is apology. Like, Nick's like, do you know how long I've been waiting for an apology from my father? <laughs> <laughs> 800 years and and I don't think she's going to come back because I, I finally got a resolution and he actually steps forward I like this scene because we start out with him in the dark and it's a very like he's at his most vampire where he's like on alert did something happen what's going on and then as he softens to like human Nick to talk to her he steps forward into the light mm -hmm. and he ends up stepping forward into the the one light that's in the morgue right now and so it ends up like illuminating him and I just love that I don't know right his face that. shifts from like gray to yellowish yeah and Nick is like okay well like I'm really glad that that's you got that for me and by the way I found this star which I apparently gave to Reese before I gave it to you because I was brown nosing a little bit sorry I found this star um it's got blood on it. We, I think it was used. I think it was like on the perpetrator. So Can you he says out? it has Weintraub's blood on it. Right. Who tested right. the blood if it Correct. wasn't Natalie? Yes. Did they go around Natalie's back and, in fact, and use Reese, a different coroner? In fact, Reese says, you are correct. It was Weintraub's blood on it. Which means Nick was like. <laughs> right. And, and we've discussed. Mm, Weintraub. Nick is probably the best at identifying blood samples. Yeah. Like, oh, there's some blood on the wall. And then he just like rubs it a little bit to scrape some of it loose and yeah. then sniff. Oh, oh okay. Oh, yeah. No, this isn't our victim's blood. Yeah. No, they gave it to forensics, not Natalie, but like the people that would actually test the blood. Uh, yeah. Go figure. But why did he check it out of evidence? and have it in his hand to show Natalie. Well, it's in a baggie. No, when, when he shows it to Natalie, it's not in a baggie. No, it's in a baggie. It is? Yeah, because Reese gives it back to him in a bag, and he takes that bag and gives it to but Natalie. Why does Reese give it back to him? I don't know, honey. That's, <laughs> that's not proper, Jason. <laughs> it should go into an evidence It locker. doesn't matter. Into a box somewhere. The plot's made up and the rules don't matter. So he gives it to Natalie, and he's like, can you figure out if there's a wound on the body that matches this? And she's like... Yeah, yeah. No, I can do that. He's like, but seriously, are you going to be okay? Like, are you going to be okay if your grandma comes back? And she's like, oh, she won't be back. And Nick goes, how do you know that? And she's like, I don't know. I just know. And then he gives her a hug, which is really cute, especially after the grandma was like, how come he doesn't like you more? <laughs> and, but this does send him into his flashback. And he's laying next to his very obviously dead wife. And he's like, hmm. We're going to be together forever. He's filling a cup up with blood. Yeah. And he gives her a cup of blood and he pours it in her mouth and he like licks the extra off from under her mouth. <laughs> and then he sits in the cup like, ha. Ah, and he's like, yeah, go ahead. Sleep, sleep. Do what you need to do. I'll be back when later. When you awake, we will yeah. be together for eternity. So he comes back up and he's like, Alyssa, wake up. It's time to get up. And so he tries to shake her and she does not move. And now and he's, he's getting like, worried. 
Oh, shit. And then LaCroix pops up because LaCroix was waiting to watch. He didn't get a show. Oh, yeah. So he's got to fuck with him because he needs to be entertained somehow. So he shows up and he's like, yeah, your love nest reeks of death. Um, I don't think she's going to be okay. She's been laying here for hours next to that fire. Sorry, but there's a smell. <laughs> and he's like, you fucked up, dude. Because I told you life is a fire and it can be rebuilt from the smallest of embers but not if you let them cool all the way. And Nick is like, oh, shit. Can you, fi- can you fix it? Can, can you, you fix it for LaCroix me? Fixes. La- LaCroix fix it. And LaCroix's like, sorry, man, I told you. She's dead. Dead is dead. I can't undo dead. And he goes, yeah, it's fine. It's a subtle art. It was your first try. You get better. You'll do better next time. Did he really wait 300 years to try to turn somebody into a vampire? I guess. It doesn't matter. Don't answer that question. It's well, a rhetorical I checked, question. I checked the flashback chronology. Yeah. And there were no other flashbacks before this that mention or that I recall him turning somebody. Okay. So. Maybe. Yeah. I guess they, they held up on that. Yeah. LaCroix's like, I told you, don't take too much. And then we go back to the Kessel House because Nick goes back to the Kessel House. Because if Natalie got some resolution, he wants some resolution too. And this, you know what? This always reminds me of, actually this predates it. So it would remind me of this. Anyway, there's an episode of Buffy where Angel confronts the ghosts of a bunch of people he's killed in the past. Do you remember that one? Vaguely. It's actually the first evil. It's like the embodiment of evil. So it's just taking the form of all of the people that he's killed before. Mm-hmm. It ends up turning into Jenny Calendar most of the time and talking to him. But every time I saw when I saw that episode, I was like, oh, like the Forever Night episode where mm-hmm. you get tormented by the specters of your past. But Nick comes in and he's like, Alyssa, I just want you to know that I really did love you and I was really young and dumb and... I didn't think it through and I should have had my master do it, but I kind of thought that would be weird and I'm just really sorry. And I wanted <laughs> I, us to be together I forever. I should have asked LaCroix to come watch <laughs> <laughs> and make sure I did it all right. Yeah. You tap me on the shoulder when I'm like when I'm done. Thanks. And he goes, you know, I'm just really sorry. I'm sorry. And then the fire lights up and she pops out of the shadows and she's like, uh, I already forgave you. Like, I love you. I know what you were trying to do. You were trying to trying to make it so we could be together forever. And you're just kind of a fuck up, Nick. And I'm like, I love that about you. But also I died because you were. So I don't know. It's a complicated situation. Uh, but you shouldn't have come here because it's dangerous for you here because I'm not the only one here. And a lot of the ones that are here don't want to do nice things to you. And because of all that you've done and all that you've been, if you do die, you won't be with me. Ever. Ever. Nicholas, I know that what you say is true. I love you still. But I must tell you, because I love you, that you should not have come here. You are in danger here. You will die here tonight. And because of what you have been and done, you will not be with me. Ever. 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 Like you remember when you (laughs) you remember when you went to the afterlife and you saw your soul and it was filled with maggots? Like that, Nick. Like that. You you don't you don't there's no no coming back. Like you're a bad dude. Okay? So sorry. 
And they go back to the precinct and Tracy is talking to Reese. And all I could think is there's a guy on a ladder in the background. And why are there always people doing work on the precinct? There's always somebody on a ladder. Or remember the guy got electrocuted in the Sons of Belial episode? Well, they were looking for a sewage leak somewhere in the building at that time. But it's just like, why are they always painting? Why are they always doing construction? I don't get it. But Tracy comes to Reese and she's like, I found something. And Reese is like, okay. I did police work. (laughs) I did some research. And Reese is like, okay, but please tell me it isn't their ghost. And Tracy's just like, uh, and he's like, never mind then. Motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) And she says that both the dudes were frat bros 22 years ago in Ohio. And there was a sexual assault and murder that happened in that area that went unsolved. And Reese is like, so that's the ghost that came back and killed them? Fucking seriously, Tracy? And Tracy's like, I mean, yeah. I'm trying. I'm doing my best here, boss. Yeah. She's like, they maybe did it. Like, it seems like probably they did it. And Reese is like, yeah, but that would still mean it's a ghost killing them. And there is no such thing. And then the camera pans around Tracy, and behind Tracy, shit's gone sideways in the office. There's chairs floating upside down, there's flashing lights, it's kind of dark, and she sees Susan pop out of the chaos, and she's just standing there, and Reese turns around, and literally Tracy is just standing there staring at the rest of the precinct. Oh, she drops her coffee. Yeah. And so Reese turns around to see what happened. And Reese is like, Tracy, are you okay? And she goes, tell me what you see, Captain. And he like walks around her and stands in front of her and we see nothing is there. And he goes, uh, nothing? Cops. Cops? What do you see? Let me go back to Nick because Alyssa's like, look, I forgive you, but you're still in danger. Others are coming. You need to leave now. But wait, follow me. Yeah. Oh, but just a second. <laughs> what I you seek is here. Yeah, I know what you seek. The answer is here. And I'll help you find it. And then you need to get the fuck out. So she like disappears. She like glow transfers to this spot well, on the he ground. Tur- he turns his flashlight on. Ah. Uh, and so I thought that was a really cool transition of her fading away and him like bringing his flashlight up at the same time. Yeah. So it looks like she turns into his flashlight. Yeah. And what it is, is Sherelle's... His flashlight's haunted forever. <laughs> well, he doesn't use it ever anyway. It's fine. It's the first time we've oh, seen him use flashlight. Oh, the flashlight's actually not on because he doesn't need it. Right. It's been a ghost light the whole time. <laughs> so it's actually... It's a, it's a modern uh, will-o'-wisp. <laughs> so, yeah, it's Sherelle's only earring. Stop derailing me. Sherelle's earring is like in the debris by the fireplace. And he picks it up and he actually remembers the <laughs> getting served tea at Ogden's house and the fact that she only had one earring on. Well, I think this served wow. an additional purpose. Yeah. Which was when Tracy went to talk to Reese and Reese shot her down, we saw a picture of the woman. Who had been murdered? Not yet. Oh, I thought we she showed it to Reese. And mm-hmm. then shortly after, we see Nick's memory. No, she of, just had like details. She was waiting on a photo or something because we don't see the photo until she runs off. And they bring the photo over and hand it oh, to Oh, okay. So it's right after this. Yeah. So we, we see the... Uh, hot blonde <laughs> assistant to yeah. Ogden. Uh, oh, you know sure. why he remembered? Because he was looking at her. 
That's why. Absolutely. He was looking at her neck. And he, that's remembers why he remembers every hot blonde he's ever looked at. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah. I have flashbacks about those people all the time. Um, he was looking at her neck and, you know, your ears are right there. So and her hair was up. So it's easy to see her yeah. that her earring was missing. And we go back to Reese and Tracy. And Reese is like, I'm going to take you to the ER, Tracy. Like, that's fair. That kind of feels like there's a gas leak in this house. <laughs> this is probably the problem. And Susan is there and she's like, I'm going back to the house because they're closing it and I need to get back. Because like the door's shutting. I don't know. <laughs> and Tracy's like, OK, I have to run off to the house. So she turns just in time to miss the like photo reveal. Yeah. Because the woman looks exactly like Sherelle. In the meantime, Nick is getting chased by women in the house, which I feel like this <laughs> care every <laughs> winter. <laughs> this is not an unfamiliar situation it's for Gary. Like, oh my God, is it Tuesday? <laughs> Security. <laughs> Who made this? <laughs> you guys weren't supposed to tell them about each other. <laughs> <laughs> It's a joke. It's a joke. Obviously, it's a joke. It's a joke. This is a comedy podcast. So Nick is getting chased by women in this house, and he like snarls at them, which I thought always thought was kind of a cool scene. Does my little vampire heart happy when they're like chasing him, and he like hisses, snarls at them, and then he runs off. He actually runs through them and through this door. Like he could have turned around and just flown out the window behind him, but that's fine. That's fine. Okay. It's fine. So they come at him through the wall. Like we get the cool squishy wall effect. Mm -hmm. I love this effect. We use this. This episode has the most special effects of any episode I've seen so far. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot. There's an, a movie called, um, I think it's The Frighteners. And yes. it's, it's another and they movie. they have the face pushing through the wall. It's by the same guy who did the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Really? Peter Jackson? Yeah. Peter Jackson. Did oh, the Frighteners. I did not and know that. And it's got um, Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. And it's a really good, really good scary ghost, ghost movie. scary movie. But like the fun kind of ghost scary movie where it's both scary and like just entertaining to watch. Anyway, they right, use this effect. It's more jump scare and there's not a lot of gore. They use this effect a lot in it and they use it to very good effect. Like it's mm. really well done. So I always like the squishy wall, the like push against the fabric. Mm -hmm. uh, face thing and they do that right by Nick and Nick's like oh and he falls down the stairs <laughs> it's like dude you can fly you didn't have to fall down the stairs I feel like after 800 years his knee jerk reaction would not be to throw himself sideways well, be to he, take was, off. he was propelling himself downward okay. he didn't trip this was intentional oh, okay it was that's, the why fastest, he rolls, that's why he rolls down it the was stairs. the fastest path okay <laughs> Um, but he ends up finding when an he, empty when room. When he rolls, he gets a, a full 360 oh, view oh, around oh, him. Oh, it's strategic. It's, I got strategic. it. Oh, okay. I got it. <laughs> he liked it. But yeah. he, he pulls it off so cleanly yeah, yeah. that it, <laughs> it uh, confuses the other person into thinking that he's just fallen down the stairs. Yeah. But really, he's pulled off a technical a technical feat uh, of propelling himself away while getting a full uh, a full 360 view around himself like update his situational awareness uh -huh. and then get ready for the next move well it must work because he ends up going into an empty room and shutting these doors behind him because we know if you shut doors ghosts can't get through them and when he turns around Ogden is there but he's dead and Ogden. The dog didn't, yes. De -dog and Chanel is in there. Is her name? Sherelle. 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 
<laughs> Susan, Sarah. <laughs> so Sherell is in there. Like, look, it worked. His vigilance worked because he found the bad guy. Shock <laughs> <laughs> up another closed case. Well, yeah. <laughs> Check that box off because Sherell comes out. First, she tases him. She tases him and he's like, ah, the fuck? You taste me. Which it wouldn't work because he doesn't have electrical impulses, but it's fine. And then she reveals that it was her mother that those two people killed and that she knew that because she came to this house and her mother came to her and told her all about it and told her how she needed to kill those people. That was going to be her closure. And Ogden was going to have this house torn down and that was her only link to her mother. She couldn't let that happen. And then meanwhile, Tracy has come to the house but got totally distracted because Susan shows up and she's like, Tracy, come play with me. Tracy, come play with me. Tracy. And so Tracy's like, okay. (laughs) So Susan's like, Walk into the road, Tracy. And Tracy's like, I'll walk into the road. That's fine. And so she's walking into the road slowly. And Nick actually gets shot by Sherelle. I have her name four different ways. Because <laughs> in this one, she's Chanel. And like the last one, she was Chanel. <laughs> Nick gets shot by Sherelle. And surrounded, when he wakes up, like, he lays there dead for a bit. When he wakes up, the ghosts are all around him. So he, like, breaks free and jumps out the window because he didn't leave a door, a window unlocked. So Toronto Mothman, got you, jumps out the window. (laughs) Toronto Mothman vandalized his house. (laughs) Um, And, like, can't they follow him? Because all the other ghosts seem very untethered to this location. Right. It's not the location that's haunted. It's It's the people. people. So Nick ends up saving Tracy from getting run but over. But it, it did take them a long time to show up. Yeah. Was that because Alyssa was keeping them at bay? I don't know. Or maybe they're not as strong. Like they've been gone too long. I don't know. Well, Alyssa, oh, it's it's the emotional connection from Nick that's weak. Yeah. Maybe when he was thinking only about Alyssa, he wasn't feeling guilty about the other people. And then as soon as that was coming to a resolve, all the and normal And then Alyssa guilt, brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> She mentioned it, and then all of a sudden he remembered all of the people that he had killed who would probably want to kill him, and that's what brought them. It's a chicken and the egg scenario. But he does save Tracy from getting run over by a car. Or or like in The Matrix when the Oracle is like, now the real thing that's going to bug you is, would you have knocked over the vase if If I I hadn't hadn't mentioned it? Yeah, that's exactly what Would the ghosts have shown up if Alyssa hadn't mentioned it? Right. Which is just a little bit of, yeah, I forgive you. I'm still a little upset, though. Yeah, I mean, I would be a little salty, so it's fine. So Nick saves Tracy from getting run over by a car, she says, trying to redirect Hooray! the Come in 81 Kilo episode back to the actual episode. And then luckily, Reese didn't trust them to do their job because <laughs> he followed Tracy, and he ends up shooting Sherelle, <laughs> the bad guy. He ends up shooting the bad lady, and then he runs over to check on her, and when he looks up at the stairs, there's a soldier coming out of the house. And he points the gun at him, and the guy goes, watch where you're pointing that little Joe. And then he turns around, and he's got a bullet hole in his back, and he, like, walks off. And they come over, Tracy and Nick come over, and they're like, did you just see something? And Reese is like, nope. I saw nothing. And then we go back to the loft. But just one moment here. So from Reese's perspective, he follows Tracy over. Tracy gets out of her car, takes a couple steps towards towards the 
house and then turns around and starts slow walking into the road. <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, on the right side of the building, Nick jumps out of a window in like a spray of broken glass. Then, of this derelict house. Of this derelict, and then runs over and saves Tracy. And Reese must just be like, oh my God. <laughs> but then the bad guy shows up. Right? But somehow they're both here because <laughs> so, the bad guys. So he's like, I can't fault their methods because they always find no, the no, bad No, no. You guy. can't fault their results. You, you can fault f- their methods mm. all you want. But their methods produce the results. Yeah. 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 And Nick can say he was running away from her because, I mean, the bad guy was there. I don't know. It It's just sometimes when you take a step back and think, what did Reese see? Was, what, was, what did that look like to Reese? Because he didn't see Susan out in the road. And he didn't see that Nick was being chased <laughs> by a horde of women from his past life. Or that Nick got shot. Yeah. I don't but, know. Did Nick use vampire speed to get to Tracy? Oh, maybe. Maybe maybe from Reese's perspective, the window broke and he saw a blur. And then something, somebody was saving Tracy. Nick, who, Tracy, who was by herself. Yeah. Glass breaks, blur, look back. Now Nick is dragging Tracy out of the road. Mm. Hmm. Well, they go back to the loft because nobody cares. Now we have some fan canon that Reese is in on the vampire thing. I mean, maybe maybe uh, all previous captains have left notes. <laughs> There's like a coded file that's like, listen, we don't think he's human, but he gets results. So whatever you see him do, you just look the other way. Okay? Yep. It's fine. So we go back to the loft. And Nick and Natalie are at the loft. And Natalie is standing well, by the... Doesn't Sherelle explain? No, she's dead. She gets shot. Well, we don't establish that Reese's shot was fatal. But in the room, she explains that... Yeah, I said that. She, Her mom... She found us. Okay, so how did she find the house? Her mom, 22 years ago, yeah. was killed in Ohio. Yeah. How did she make her way... From <laughs> Ohio <laughs> to Toronto, um, and then listen. If you live in Ohio, find you the would house. Also flee to Toronto. How does she find this house? Does she get a job with Ogden and then visit the yeah, house? It's a chicken or and Or does she? Is she like drawn to the house and then she gets a job with Ogden? Sure. What I'm trying, what I'm leading up to here mm-hmm. is. This, all of that, all of how did she get to this house would be explained if we make the outrageous assumption that all of this God. is still LaCroix fucking with everybody. LaCroix <laughs> no. has orchestrated this. Okay, listen. Listen. I read these books with Kate and Hannah by this author named Sarah J. Mass. And she has created this explanation, which from my perspective is I don't want to create believable plot lines. So I have created this this magic ring for myself because every time I write myself into the corner, I can just slip it on. I can I can tell a riddle game and I can get out of dodge. And it is that there is a there is an actual 
present divine force in the world that guides fate and puts you where you need to be. And it moves you there. Yes. Um, it's the divine mover. It puts you where you need to be in order for the thing that you need to have happen to you, happen to you. And so either it is that, it is fate itself that guides the people to these moments, or it's LaCroix. Or both. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, uh, maybe she just got a job and it was purely coincidence. Anyone who went to work for him who had a tragic backstory would have experienced a ghost in that house. It just so happened that her tragic backstory included two murderers who also worked in Toronto. She could have also suspected that they were the people that killed her mom. She could have been there to investigate them. She could have gotten a job with that guy or heard because even Nick knew that this house was haunted and that it let you see people from your past. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If if she'd So it was out, like calling a psychic La, hotline, except La Croix, it was visiting LaCroix the house. dropped a pamphlet in her apartment. Yeah. <laughs> Here's this house that you're, the dead that you are connected to yeah. come okay. to you. You know what comes back to LaCroix? You want it to come back to LaCroix? It comes back to LaCroix. In my head, yeah, it all comes back fine. to LaCroix. I'm, I am with you. I fully believe he has the time, the attention, and the and spite. And the motivation. The spiteful yeah. motivation to get that done. So we go back to the loft. And Natalie is standing by the mantelpiece. And she's like, oh, okay, so is your case closed? And Nick jumps up from the side and he goes, boo. <laughs> Natalie's like, ee. <laughs> she's kind of cute. And he goes, oh, you mean my ghost? Like, oh, my case? Yeah, I always close my cases. However they get closed, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But you mean my ghost? My partner always takes care of the paperwork yeah, 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 or whatever. Fine, fine. I just know how to print the report. Yeah, and he's like, no, no, yeah, my ghost is all wrapped up. And she goes, you know, you didn't tell me who it was. Wink, wink. You didn't tell me. You should tell me. And Nick goes, well, it was a woman I loved a long time ago. And lost. And she just wanted to be remembered. He doesn't tell her about the other ones that all attacked him. I mean, if anybody's going to bring some fucking baggage to this house, it's Nick. So, Do you think LaCroix has any baggage? No. Maybe. There once was a man with a suitcase full of guilt. Which is Nick. All of... <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to remember the rest of that one, which is just like all he ever, all he needed to do was put the suitcase down and get out of town, which I think is the rest of it. It was like, you just need to drop the, the suitcase. Claude just never carried a suitcase. Yeah, he's like, fuck it, I pack light. <laughs> <laughs> travel light. <laughs> travel light. No, he, that's his whole thing is guilt is an anathema to the vampire existence. You cannot both hold the guilt of all that you have done and expect to be able to flourish, as, flourish a vampire. as a vampire because you will always be bogged down by what you have done and you have no choice but to do a lot of the things that you do. And so you can either feel bad about it forever or die or die or don't feel bad about it at all and right. be just fine. So no, LaCroix would walk in there and be just fine. It probably would just feel like a house. He probably doesn't even believe in ghosts because he's never seen one. Because if ghosts are the things each, that we... Each person doesn't even see each other's ghosts. Yeah, because if ghosts are regrets, then he ain't got one. And we know that the the whole ghost like sighting is fully hallucinatory. It's completely yeah. internal because Tracy is seeing chairs levitating and yeah. papers getting thrown around. and But we have Reese also 
in the same room but at not the same time anything. and nothing is actually happening. Right. And it's really interesting because that's what Natalie talks about next. Because Nick is like, what do you think the what the shit was that? And she goes, you know, I would I'd be more willing to believe that this was an actual ghost sighting, like a ghost event, supernatural event. If every single ghost was not actually the projection of our own desires and subconscious needs, like I needed to hear my grandmother say she was sorry. And so I saw my grandmother and she said she was sorry. You needed to believe that your wife knew that you didn't actually kill her and you saw her and she told you she forgave you and it was okay. And Tracy almost got hit by a car. So, (laughs) I mean, everybody had the fulfillment of some deep-seated desire, sort of. And so I don't know. Like, it could have been just something in that building that, like, manifested something in your subconscious. Not necessarily a ghost, but something from inside you, which kind of fits with what we were talking about earlier. And Natalie says... Or LaCroix was in therapy mode. (laughs) Natalie says... Um, I'm not going to say that I saw a ghost, but if someone asked me if I just had a religious experience, I would say I plead the fifth. So we open this episode with I plead the fifth. And we close it with I plead the fifth. Nobody, nobody puts their foot down on any kind of a determination. And then we come to Tracy because Tracy is actually out putting a rose on the tracks where her friend died. And Reese is reminiscing over a photo. <laughs> Tracy's putting a rose down like, I fucking believe in ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, please don't try to kill me anymore. That's because she's been coming to her every night since. <laughs> Wait till Vashon hears about this. Uh, I'm so sorry I didn't come over. and I'm so sorry you didn't know how to take off your own glove. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> what? I, I said, Tracy arrives here and she's resolved her guilt she's like you're right like this wasn't my fault you getting killed by the train this was your fault you got your sweater stuck on the track you just pull on it yeah like like the the old song says if you want to destroy my sweater (laughs) (laughs) hold this thread as i walk away no (laughs) Did you just bring Weezer into this room? Yeah, and she just pulls on Great. her sweater. Now I'm going to have to say it again. She hooks her sweater on the tra- train tracks and pulls, and it's going to unravel her sweater. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you, honey. It kind of feels like that scene well, from Austin Powers when, I, when there's the steamroller. Like, <laughs> what I wanted no! to say is tr- Tracy mm-hmm. got did get closure Yeah, by putting the blame back on Sarah, Susan. Yeah. She was like, Susan, it was your fucking fault. The whole time. The whole time. And I can't believe you traumatized me by getting killed in front of me, you stupid I can't girl. believe you didn't even try to get off the tracks and pull. Do you know what I went you through? You can pull your arm into the sleeve. She pulls a full <laughs> Natalie and she's like, lots of people see other people killed. I can't believe you had to do it right in front of me. <laughs> this is your own fault. I don't know. We don't get a resolution to her. My trauma is my fault because I looked. (laughs) (laughs) Could have looked away. No. I don't know. I feel like we're in a rabbit hole here and we just need to dig our way out because we're digging down and down's not the way we want to go. We want to go up. Um, We had a lot of fun with this episode, but I don't hate this episode. I like this episode. 
There's a lot of moments in this episode that I really like. The dark to light one I really love. The moment where he snarls at all the ghosts. I really like that episode. And I think we had... I really like how the filming was cut, like edited. Yeah. Uh, for transitions. This felt and... like a fun, spooky episode. Yes. It was like, a good Halloween episode. Yeah, like we've had... We have actual vampires in the show, but we have never played with anything super. I mean, we did the Sons of Belial, which is just a whole other kettle of fish. But we haven't really played with like what other supernatural beings might there be, and what would happen if Nick and had the other time with other supernatural beings. The other time we've talked about a ghost. Yeah, it wasn't a ghost. It was just vampire ex girlfriend. It was the manifestation of his regret. No, the. I think it was in season one. Yeah, it was his. Va- yeah. It was the lady that he regretted not knowing that she was suffering. It was. It was his vampire ex girlfriend who was prob- who had definitely had some need for therapy for a while because right, she's the one she'd that been was chasing like, him for four hundred years. Oh yeah, that one. I-, I thought we were talking about last act where the lady sits out on the bench and commit. What's it called? Oh, Complete oh the, suicide. The, the vampire lady who sat out for the sunrise? Yeah. And then he sees her for the whole rest of the episode and she's like, join me, Nicholas. Because Well, she... that's just his memory of her. I, I was talking about the, what was it, Annabelle or something? Oh, yeah. And, that was the one where, where he La kills Claude, her in the train La yard. to fuck with him, brought her back. Yeah. And then she somehow spent 400 years looking for him because that's what a woman does, you guys. As soon as a man does something to her, her only purpose in life is revenge for mm-hmm. 400 years. And he's like, don't tell me you've never killed anybody. And she's like, yeah, I killed plenty of people and I love it. But that doesn't mean that you had like you could have done that. You son of a bitch. That's not, yeah, that one was. um, But at first, mm, Nick thinks it's a ghost. Why can I not remember the title? This is one of those ones that the title always escapes me. It's the one where Stone Tree almost gets um, convicted of wrongfully shooting that one little boy. Yeah. Or kid or whatever. It's um, not false witness. I don't know how you stumped me. Dang it. Ha ha. I'm not looking it up. I'm not looking it up because if I don't know, I don't deserve to know. So I guess we're just going to leave it there. <laughs> um, we're wrapping things up at here at Come In 81 Kilo, kind of. We're on episode 14, which means we've got like eight-ish episodes left to go, seven or eight. I don't know. This has been a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if we're going to do another TV series immediately, but if you have one that you think we should consider doing in the future, do feel free to send us a recommendation. Yeah, mini series would be fun. Yeah, I want to do some mini series. I think like that a would be four to eight episodes. Yeah. of something. Oh, I've got some ideas. Be... You want to do mini series? I got some. But if you guys have any suggestions, yeah, send it in. Yeah, and I, I mean, I do read them. I will add them to the list. I can't promise we will do them, but I can promise I will read them and respond and tell you thank you. And you can find that in a contact form on our website, which is strangeandbeautiful.club. Strangeandbeautiful.club. There is a recommendation form on there. Feel free to fill it out and send us a recommendation of what you think we should do next. And we also have an Instagram. You can contact me there. It's at Strange and Beautiful Network on Instagram. Link in the show notes link in the show notes as well as a link to all of the other podcasts that we do do so if you m- think you're going to be missing our lovely voices we also do like six other podcasts <laughs> uh, we have strange and beautiful book club where we cover movies and books in the sci-fi fantasy and horror genre 
And we also have Feast, Sheath, and Shatter, where I chat with two other ladies, Kate and Hannah, about um, popular books and more like romanticy fantasy books. And it's really fun. And especially straight up smut. And straight up smut. And we also have Gare Can Get It, which is the uh, the spiritual successor of Come in 81 Kilo, I think, which is really just started as a joke. Which is that there can't possibly be an actor. It's like who... a game of chicken with you and Meg, and neither <laughs> of you have backed out yet. I know. I know. She was like, We're going to start one and we're going to call it Garrett Can Get It. And I was like, Okay, but we have to know, like, know that we have an entire podcast about how horny Garrett Wynn Davies' career has been and still be able to look him in the eye when we go meet him. And she was like, I can do that. And so here we are. <laughs> so... She'll have no memory of not doing it. <laughs> Um, it's, it's a really, it's a lot of fun. We have quite a bit more to cover because he has quite an illustrious career. A couple we're going to combine, but for the most part, we've done things episodically so far. So, you know, go check out Gare Can Get It. That's a ton of fun. Matt was a guest on one of the episodes, so he's over there science too. Science consultant. Yeah, science consultant on an Outer Limits episode. <laughs> oh my God, it was so much fun. So I guess until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.